Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Exert Breakthrough Laboratory podcast. Uh, we're looking forward to having you join us again. Uh, today, uh, we'll be recording from the Exert uh, Satellite Laboratory down in the Niagara region. Uh, and as usual, I'm your host, Scott Steele, and I'm joined by Armando. Hey, everyone. And Dr. Stephen Chung. Hey, everyone. Um, before we uh, really jump into things too far today, uh, I, I did have a, a bit of an announcement, um, and uh, I just w- wanted to point out, uh, actually, Stephen had a bit of a, a career um, uh, kind of recognition uh, in this past week, and that's uh, uh, he was recognized as one of the top 100,000 most uh, cited scientists in all disciplines uh, across the globe uh, in the past year, which is an absolutely tremendous, uh, accomplishment. So like millions, uh, there's like, I, how many people, like yeah. millions, how many people do research? <laughs> people do research. Yeah. Uh, this, so there's definitely. millions of scientists out there. And, and so it's definitely an honor to be, to be recognized, uh, yeah. as one of the most cited and, and influential, uh, congratulations. Uh, yeah. Thanks. There you go. Round, was, uh, round of applause. Yeah. It was so, a cool and completely unexpected honor. It was, um, Scientists went and and analyzed all of the citation indices and and uh, for twenty seventeen and specifically and they tracked a list of hundred thousand most cited scientists and again the neat thing was it wasn't expected it wasn't any kind of a formal award or anything but it's just really cool to be in that number again knowing just how many scientists there are in the world studying in all fields from medicine to physics chemistry mm-hmm. biology astrophysics whatever so yeah it was a really cool honor it was a nice testament to kind of really excellent team i've always had both with the students in my lab like uh, scott right here and also with collaborators i've had through the years and also support system i've had at brock university so onwards to uh hopefully even uh even cooler things in the future yeah we haven't published my study yet so yeah your, your coolest study has not been even been published <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Congrats. yeah Man, congratulations yeah. that's Very awesome good. um well uh it's good to, to have you down uh armando i always appreciate uh when, when we get together and uh and get to do some of this so uh, today, uh, we're going to be talking about working out and mm-hmm. working out with exert. Um, and so uh, I think uh, one of the questions or uh, something that, that pops up as people start looking to transition into using exert is, is kind of understanding our workouts and, and maybe using our workouts uh, for their training. So um, we have a lot of different options that, that people can use uh, to run our workouts, but I think... Uh, uh, I rotate through them a lot, but uh, I would say predominantly the three most popular would be uh, our Garmin Connect IQ uh, standalone app, which won the Garmin's app of the year mm-hmm. uh, two two years now. It's two years. Two years. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got the the Garmin app. Uh, we have an Android app, uh, and we've also got the the newly released uh, iOS app, which uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, like I mentioned, I, I rotate through all three of them uh, between testing. Uh, we've got a couple. Mm-hmm versions out in beta right now and uh, I think each app has a little bit of a different feel to it but uh, uh, but I definitely like using those uh, especially with uh, in combination with our smart workouts but I think before mm-hmm. we do that we should also remind listeners that we have an earlier podcast that's all about what is a smart workout and what is kind of an exert workout itself mm-hmm. so make sure you listen to that in partnership with this because in this one we're going to talk a lot more about kind of the mechanics of how to use them effectively 
and uh, and a lot of the logistics involved so that previous one is more about exactly what they are what's unique about exert workouts and especially our smart workouts yeah and just in this we'll also talk about just doing workouts in general too so uh, how do you do workouts what are the different kind of ways in which you can perform these workouts um, so we'll get into more of the nitty, more yeah, more of the details. I, I got yeah. a, a little bit ahead there because mm-hmm. we, we have mm-hmm. plenty of users that still enjoy. Uh, they might be using something like like Perf Pro. They might be using another mm-hmm. system like uh, like Trainer Road or Zwift. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might be doing workouts there, and uh, which is which is fine. Um, so. Yeah, we, we you know one thing to mention that a lot of people really see us as a kind of workout platform. And I think that's great. You know, I think we we do have our you know our workout library and is quite comprehensive and we have some really great workout features um but i'll also mention that you know we have a lot of people that use us just for the analytical side so we have very strong analytics on our end and uh you get a lot of uh, information about your training so um people a lot of people use it in conjunction with you know perf pro and trainer road and zwift and we have a lot of people that do that so so don't feel that you know to get everything you know to you you really need to use our workouts we think you should you know we we like you to use our workouts but you know don't feel like if you're not that you're not getting value from the software there's certainly a lot of other things that our users are using the software for so just recognize that that um it, it, there's there's a lot there's a lot more to our software than just doing workouts yeah mm-hmm. and uh something that i would like to add with uh with kind of our native players i guess i'll call them um so that would be the the garmin the android and the ios is um not only do they allow us to do some of those smart workouts uh with some of the, like the curved intervals and variable durations, but mm-hmm. uh, it also pairs very nicely with our with our remote player, um, which uh, a lot of people will say like, oh, my Garmin screen is too small for me to see uh, the workout. But uh, if you if you pull up a, a web browser and you go to your Exert page, you can actually open up the remote player, uh, and it'll actually display your workout that you're working on right now, and it'll show where you are. It'll give the stats of um, like your heart rate, your power, where where you need to be for the next interval, uh, which I know I use that a lot um, uh, for some of the workouts that I do where I'm just sitting on the trainer, I'm watching uh, YouTube or Netflix or something, um, and it's nice that I can just pop that out and have that uh, displayed right beneath whatever I'm watching, and it gives me a good idea of, of what's coming up uh, without necessarily even having to look down at my Garmin. Yeah, and I find personally when I'm riding indoors, the uh, the garment is perfectly situated to where all my sweat is dripping down. <laughs> so it just becomes a sweaty mess. The touch screen gets locked. So a lot of times I just have it kind of off to the side and I use the remote player to uh, to actually see my workout and see what's coming next. Yeah, you know, the, what's interesting about the remote player is that um, well, I guess we should make it clear to a lot of people because they, they sometimes they open up the remote player and they're wondering where you know where do I configure my sensors? How do I pair my sensors? How do I pair my sensors? And and it's it's the remote player is called a remote player because it's basically taking the data from your um, your bike computer, your Garmin, or from your iOS or Android app. So that in that data that that the unit is collecting during the workout is being processed on that unit. And then second by second, it's sending that data back to our server. So 
you're think about that your device is actually being this the point of uh, of collection of the data and sending it back to our server and then you got a window into that data through the remote player so we've taken that data and then we display it for you through the remote player so that's really technically what's happening it's being collected locally delivered to our server and then you can see it off of the off of the web page yeah so it's exactly that it's a viewer it is not a controller it's not a controller exactly. and since it's a viewer you know the things you can do is other people can view it so if you're if you're a member of a coach community for example your coach can log in and then see that you're doing a workout and they can click on the little there'll be a little icon there they can click on they can actually watch you do the workout so it's, it's really uh, this is like the first sort of iteration of the, of the remote player we certainly see a lot more possibilities in terms of how it can be used for coaching applications because now your coach doesn't have to be necessarily in the room with you to see what you're doing so so we're going to continue to kind of look at how do we make that experience whether that's coach to athlete or whether it's you know teammate to teammate or you know somebody you're working out with so you know look for some more capabilities potentially from us in terms of what we do with the remote player but for the time being it's really a way for you to kind of look at your workout on your pc or on your you know your your uh your screen as well as uh you know doing that in conjunction with watching a video or being in another environment altogether so you know we have a lot of people for example will do the wor our workouts while they're in zwift so you'll have your zwift screen up on 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 the screen and then you'll see the remote player uh, overlaid on top of it so you can monitor your workout and your progress yeah if you're interested in getting that overlay with swift uh, we actually have a a post uh, on our support section uh, i believe it's called the ultimate guide of training with uh, Zwift and Exert. Mm -hmm. uh, so go and check out that article and you can see exactly uh, how to overlay uh, the remote player uh, over your Zwift interface. And uh, to me, that's that's really the best of the both worlds. I, I mean, some people, uh, they really like that visual stimulus of riding around Watopia or London or whatever, and they still want to use our players. Uh, so they have access to those smart variable durations, variable intensities. Uh, and so it, it really fits kind of both things. You get your structured training and uh, at least some something exciting to look at. It's a, a little more exciting than staring at the basement wall. Yeah, when I'm not watching uh, cross races on YouTube, that's I'm usually doing my exert workout on Swift itself. Yeah, and so, you know, the... So you can you can certainly use our workout players, right? When you talked mm -hmm. about all three. And, you know, they all perform the workouts relatively the same. There might be a few... Uh, you know, it's hard to really imagine what those differences might be, but it's, you know, obviously they're both computing platforms and there might be some slight differences in terms of how they, how they compute some of the specifics of the, of the, of the, of the, um, of the interval durations. Um, they should pretty much be very, very similar. Um, but um, what you do find though is if you export those workouts, so we have the ability for you to export the workouts into different formats. Uh, right now we support Z or ZWO, however you want to say it, uh, which would allow you to import them into uh, Zwift. We support TCX, which allows you to bring, bring them into your Garmin, uh, as well as ERG, which is now supported by a lot of other platforms. So you can essentially export our workouts and bring them into other systems so that you can play them there. Um, now, the, the biggest distinction is that they're no longer smart workouts. All right? So they're, they're not dynamic. 
they're not using those dynamic features. We're going to get into some of those dynamic features a little more detail in, in, in this podcast. So we'll, we'll get into that. But just so you know that if you're doing, uh, if you are exporting them and then bring them into another environment, that all the kind of advanced kind of capabilities that we have built in into our players are no, no longer apply, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do also lose those uh, beautiful curved uh, intervals as well, those XSSR. Uh, those, uh, I believe those get exported as uh, regular ramps yeah, in, in, instead of, uh, instead of the, the, the nice curve. So. Yeah. Yeah. so a prime example is the uh, gasoline workout, which is an eight-minute effort, but the, each, every two minutes within its effort, it's kind of an exponential ramp, and then it rises again, exponentially decays four different times and it's a beautiful workout to do on one of the exert players again the garmin ios or android but if you do export to another system instead of being a really good exponential curve in many ways i would say it's harder because it becomes a kind of a a linear decay and so the pattern and the the effort is is different and i would say arguably not as good so i would you know, personally, my my advice is if you are doing one of these smart workouts where there's a lot of these kind of uh, XSSR type kind of really exponential decays, I would do them on kind of an exert player itself rather than export it to another system. Yeah, so the, what happens today is you're right, they get exported as linear ramps or, you know, declining ramps or increasing ramps. So if you have a, a positive XSSR, you know, it's above 100 you're, you're, you're where it should be starting high intensity and then dropping down, that gets converted to a line. And so it's actually harder. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. so you know that if you do an XSSR interval on, uh, you know, in when you've imported in Zwift, it's going to be harder. And likewise, the ones that are below, the below threshold, the kind of the easier XSSR intervals where they swoop up, those are going to be easier. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they're small in number, uh, if they're short, you don't really notice that much. Mm-hmm. So, <coughs> excuse me, things like let the sparks fly, which has really short XSSR intervals, those get converted into into li- into linear intervals. Those are actually pretty okay. Those yeah, are, because they're, they're only about 15, 20, 20 second yeah. efforts. Whereas gasoline, it's, it's a a, each each exponential decay is is uh, two minutes long and the difference between doing an exponential decay and a linear decay is huge plus you're doing that four times continuously over that so yeah i would say again a shorter kind of exponential ramp isn't bad to export elsewhere but something longer like gasoline definitely it becomes much much harder that's right it's already a four-star workout to begin with (laughs) you don't want to make it harder (laughs) don't turn it into a (laughs) ronestad there it is there you Uh, go yeah i might be biased but i i I like definitely run in the uh, workouts from from our players uh one of the things that i didn't mention as well um I, I did briefly say that each of the apps is a little bit differently, and I think mm-hmm. it's important to highlight that um, these apps weren't developed at the same time, which is why they, each of them has a slightly different feel. Um, but the uh, the Android app, uh, it actually can be used as a standalone bike computer, so mm-hmm. if maybe you don't have a Garmin, or um, you can actually use the Android. Uh, in fact, I'll record a lot of my commutes to and from school uh, just right on my on my Android phone. So, and you uh, can you can run yeah. out and get yourself a quad lock, 
and attach yeah. it and put it on your your uh, your handlebars and use it as a bike it's, computer. It's, it's record really, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really customizable too. You'll customizable. find with the, with the Android mm-hmm. app. So it's so some cool it's, stuff there. So we had we did originally design it as a bike computer in mind when we first started out. So it's it's mostly used as a as a workout tool these days. Mm-hmm. But it does have features. It'll record GPS, for example, and you can start activities and stop and and record without having to do a workout. So it'll do that. Um, the iOS app, unfortunately, won't do that. So you know you're only at at this stage. You're only using it to actually perform workouts. So it has that limitation. Um, it doesn't really show you a lot of in ride or in activity data that you might want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, really more catering towards the workout experience than the kind of riding experience. So, um, but yeah, you can certainly, uh, you know, use these other, uh, you know, mounts and attachments that you can then attach your, your, uh, Android. In fact, one guy on Facebook was, was funny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He attached it to his arm because he was using the Android app for running workouts, which was so cool. With his stride. Yeah. 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 Was, so, <laughs> that was a cool so, post. So you could do that too, obviously. Um, yeah, so they're, they are a little bit different. Um, one, actually, one other comment I wanted to make is a lot of people, they see the, the, um, the, the uh, Garmin app, um, and it's pretty comprehensive in terms of, like, the stuff we had to do in the Garmin app was actually pretty sophisticated. You think about what it's doing. It's doing this, you know, these workouts. It's querying the server to get your workout, as then, you know, continually updating the server to get your, you know, remote player going. It's doing a, a lot of stuff. Um, and then that's probably why we adjusting the workload second by second. Yeah, connecting to you know both your power meter and your your trainer at the same time. If you want to use and does automatic power match. So I think probably one of the reasons why Garmin gave us th- those awards and it's been really popular in the process. Um, but we have a lot of people saying, "Well, can you add this? Can you add this feature? Can I then you know modify?" You really what people are asking for is they want to see the workout player become a full fledged actual bike computer mm-hmm. and it's be kind of you know it'd be it would be a tall order for us to think about turning to running a bike computer in a bike computer it, <laughs> you know it's not really the, the best way to kind of do things ultimately we'd love to see you know um you know wahoo and garmin and hammerhead and all of them adopt kind of our smart workout capability our deny- mm-hmm. dynamic workout capabilities you know we certainly are advocating for that and promoting that Absolutely. that would be the best way i think for uh for our customers to be able to do the workouts on the on the bike computers themselves if the if the bike computer actually implemented rather than just make these simple you know static workouts which are fine and you know they're they're the obviously a lot of people use them that way but it would be really great if they could do the smart kind of dynamic mm-hmm. intervals that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and really, the, there's one more. So we talked about uh, using the Exert players. We talked about exporting and running it through a different, like, Ruby or Zwift. Uh, but there's also, you can freestyle workouts. And um, those of you who have been on our support page, uh, we did do a video earlier this summer looking at uh, taking that advice from, from our training advisor and, and either... Uh, writing down those intervals and just kind of keeping it taped to your to your uh, head tube or whatever, uh, or uh, just writing to your focus and your XSS. Uh, if if you are fortunate to be running a Garmin uh, on your bike computer, so mm-hmm. um, it, it, there certainly doesn't have to be absolute structure. Um, but if we if the training advisor is able to give you a focus 
and an XSS target, uh, you you uh, mm-hmm. can attempt to freestyle it as well. You know, and that brings up the question about doing workouts outdoors too. So we get a lot of that question about how do we, you know, do the workouts outdoors. The, the dynamic side, you know, maybe before we get into that, we should probably describe a little bit about how these dynamic intervals work because we get a lot of questions about that. People say, how come my workout was longer than I anticipated? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, you know, today we have variable duration intervals. And what that means is that the, 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 the duration of the interval initially gets specified based upon your signature. So you'll see an interval that'll say, you know, hold this for 230 watts for, you know, 47 seconds. Those numbers are calculated based upon your signature. So we, we run those calculations inside the workout environment and we'll be able to specify very precisely how long you should, the intensities and how long you should hold a work, uh, an interval to reach this particular target in your fatigue. So the goal is to say, I want to get to a certain point in my fatigue, either on the way down or even even many cases on the way back up. Are you fresh enough now to go and do the next next interval? That's really important in terms of being able to do these workouts. So to do that, the, the players will automatically adjust the duration of the intervals on the fly so that you reach the goal by the time you finish the interval. So that's what these dynamic intervals do. And what happens is that if you, if you go on, on a high intensity interval, if you go too hard, you start off the interval too hard, the target is, is 250 and you're doing it at 300 and it's a high intensity interval, well, it's going to shorten it. You're going to get to the fatigue target sooner because you've gone at it harder. And vice versa, if it's a recovery interval and you go the recovery interval too easy, let's say you let off the pedals altogether because it was such a hard, uh, hard interval, well, that's going to shorten your recovery time, right? So you're going to get shorter recovery times, longer recovery times, um, or shorter interval times longer based upon how you perform them. And mm-hmm. that gets calculated on the fly for every, every interval that you do on, on, on our players. So mm-hmm. that's what's happening. If you're seeing your timer slow down or speed up on the players, that's what's happening. You're, you're a little bit off. And if you're doing these workouts kind of freestyle, whether that's outdoors or even indoors on a non-smart trainer, or you're, you're doing an, uh, one, of these, uh, one of our workouts, let's say in a Ruby environment or in a Zwift environment where you know, the terrain's changing and it's almost like it's a virtual outdoor ride, you can do them. And you'll see that the duration of the intervals will change on the fly to accommodate how you perform them. Mm-hmm. So, so, the, so these dynamic intervals are really conducive to outdoor rides and they're also conducive to more kind of non-erg mode, kind of you know, fixed exactly. kind of workouts that you would do indoors on, on a trainer. So, so, so they have some advantages. They're actually kind of fun to do. Some, some of these intervals, some of the workouts are actually better done in these environments because you know there's lots of sprinting involved and there's lots of high intensity mm-hmm. involved. Which um, having those these dynamic calculations actually makes them um, a little more easier or more effective in terms mm-hmm. of being able to do them. Yeah, I I really enjoy using the. Uh the uh, target MPA, like uh, MPA reserve or MPA absolute wattage. Mm-hmm. I love using those as my actually recovery intervals because then I know regardless of how deep I go uh, during my on session, I know that during that recovery, uh, exert's going to have my back. It's going to make sure that I'm enough recovered for mm-hmm. that next set that I can give it my all um, 
even if I go a little bit deeper than I was supposed to go, okay, it'll adjust, it'll give me more time. Or uh, if, I, if I left a little bit too, uh, if I left too much out, it'll shorten up my recovery uh, and it'll make me work that much harder the next time. Mm-hmm. So I really do, really do enjoy that. Um, so that brings us uh, to some of the different trainer modes that, that people will do their workouts in. And so, uh, I mean, a, a lot of our listeners here will probably be familiar with, with like erg mode, um, where the trainer is essentially going to be controlling your power uh, and making sure that you're at or very near your power target. But um, I was hoping maybe we could do a little bit of a discussion on um, when you might use erg mode or when you might switch to let's say slope or resistance mode. So um, it's often um, depending upon the intervals. Sometimes some intervals, especially the higher intensity intervals, might be easier to be performed while not in erg mode. Because if you're trying to really sprint hard and trying to hit a thousand watts, it's really hard to do that in erg mode. So the higher the wattage, the more likely trying to do them in erg mode will will be harder. Um, and so. Um, what you can do with our players, and we're actually just adding some features to the Android app as, as, we, as we do this podcast, so expect to see this in the, Andro- in the Android app too, is with the, uh, with the Garmin app, you can simply easily switch off from power uh, control mode to resistance uh, or slope mode. So you can, you can switch off in, or you can use the, uh, the buttons on a, on a 520 um, or the um, the taps on the uh, the the other screens on the other devices to change the mode, so you can move from erg mode into these other modes. So so use those when 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 you want to um, kind of control the actual power output directly yourself. So you control it through the gearing. You control it by adjusting the slope or resistance up or down. Um, and then by controlling the slope and your, and your gearing, you can then attempt to hit the, the power targets. And, and, and your cadence. And your cadence, yeah, exactly. So your, your gears, your cadence, and the, and, all, and the slope and resistance all together will allow you to hit that target. So that's the way I would go about man, manipulating or controlling mm-hmm. those, those, those values to be able to get the, uh, the desired power output. Um, and so those are in the uh, Garmin app. Uh, they're in the iOS app. There's a, you, there's a little uh, a setting on the side where you can uh, you adjust tap it. Tap erg or tap slope, and it'll change modes. Right, and just just so everyone knows, at the moment that that feature is only available on on the iOS app. It's only available only available on on Kicker trainers at this time. We're hoping to make it available on all all the trainers soon. But for the time being, um, slope and resistance are only available on the Kicker. Um, but that's how you do it. You basically just tap that button, uh, and then you can also tap it off uh, if you're going to allow another environment to control the trainer. So let's say you want to do the workout in Zwift, for example, it's going to control the trainer. You can then turn it off on the app and just let a third party app control the trainer and you do your workout in that environment. So that's what the off is meant to meant to be used for. Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we have some people that like to um, to actually stream some of their Zwift races. And so the way that they can display a live MPA is opening up our remote player uh, they'll turn off the trainer control, so it'll just read the power. Uh, and then actually when they open the remote player, it'll show them the live MPA based on the data coming from the race. And so um, perhaps a little bit of a mm-hmm. quote-unquote cheat for your Zwift racing right there, you can uh, actually have your live MPA 
uh, for you while you're doing those uh, and doing have those it races. overlay it onto your actual Zwift. Exactly. Yeah, Zwift certainly. Thing. And there's some workouts where it's just not effective. I find to have it in erg mode and really do them as workouts per se. And again, we'll go back to if I'm wanting to do a breakthrough, you know, you're trying to do your best effort and most of the time you want to be kind of in an environment where you can push above and beyond a particular um, kind of set wattage. And again, when I do the Ronestad workouts, I never <laughs> do them as actual exert workouts. I do them either out on the road or else if I'm indoors, I, I do them on Swift and I do them on a very flat environment. That way I can truly go to the max for each effort rather than just an arbitrary kind of set wattage. And uh, I find that far, far more effective to do. So there's certainly, you know, a time and place for erg mode, but it's not necessarily always mm -hmm. that it's the preferred option. So again, whether you use, use a completely different platform, uh, use the off mode, use the slope and slope mode and resistance mode, there's lots of other ways to do, do a workout. You know, and that brings up a good point about our, our breakthrough workouts. So we do have test workouts, breakthrough workouts. You can go to our work, uh, workout library, search for the word breakthrough, and you'll see a bunch of workouts that will come up. Most of them, I think there's only one that's really been designed that could to be done in, or that could be done in erg mode. Mm -hmm. um, because and if you look at it, you'll actually see your your MPA and your power actually cross. So your the the, the workout's actually going to try and using erg mode trying to bring you to failure and bring you to a breakthrough the, whereas the other ones are more guidelines in terms of how you can go about creating that breakthrough so you really can't do them in erg mode because uh they're just gonna they're limited in terms of where they're gonna bring you to whereas when you're trying to get a breakthrough you're trying to go as hard you don't want any any restrictions in terms of when the interval is going to end or when you know how what the intensity is at um, you just want to be able to push beyond MPA and get that breakthrough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's there's one more comment that I wanted to add as well, and uh, obviously with the with the breakthrough lab, we do a lot of testing with various trainers and power meters and such, uh, and even uh, erg mode is actually different across different uh, different smart trainers, and so. Uh, like I very uh, routinely switch between a kicker version one and a kicker version two. And I know even between those two models, there's a drastic difference in the onset load. So if, I know if I'm going to be doing high intensity uh, like Tabatas or Ronasad, something that's short 15, 30 second efforts, I know that the, uh, especially the, the first kicker is, is it's too slow to engage actually on those high intensity efforts. And mm -hmm. so, uh, once again, that would be a great example of when you would want to be in that slope or resistance mode, um, and, and really be able to control that effort yourself. Um, it take there's a little bit of a learning curve, I would say, mm -hmm. uh, as you begin to learn your gears and stuff on an indoor trainer. But, uh, I, I, I much prefer, uh, doing all of those workouts kind of regulating my own effort that way you know and then again having the um having the, the smart intervals even on especially on shorter intervals it make it can make a big difference mm -hmm. whether you're in erg or not in erg mode because these these trainers take a long time to to actually show you and bring you to that power at least some of them mm -hmm. do they're not instantaneous so if you're if you're if you've got a 15 second interval 
and it takes five seconds, which is pretty fast for a lot of trainers. It's still that's a third of your of your interval that is going to be dependent upon what happens in that transition. And so what's great about the smart intervals is that you'll get that fine level adjustment. It won't be 15 seconds. It may go to 16, 17 or 18 seconds or shorten, depending upon how you went into and attacked that interval. You went too hard or too easy. And those are actually meaningful as they add up because, you know, you're going to, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be potentially getting to fairly significant levels of fatigue. And if that's not properly matched to you, then you might be going at it too hard. You may end up failing a workout, for example, if if uh, if you end up doing these uh, too long and too hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, now I know uh, not every one of our listeners out there is necessarily going to have a smart trainer, uh, and I know that Stephen here actually prefers uh, much prefers riding rollers. So, uh, do you have any insights on on using exert workouts with rollers? Yeah, I mean, traditional rollers themselves are very hard. They're, they're honestly not that effective because you can spin up and generate a high wattage, but that only lasts for a few seconds and then you're, the resistance just isn't there. But the last number of years, I've been using the, the True Trainer rollers and TRU Trainer and they're made by these aerospace engineers in their spare time from Indiana and they are just simply fabulous. They are so smooth. They're, it's heavy as sin. The, uh, the whole roller setup is almost 50 pounds and super stable, massive amounts of inertia, really, really good realistic road feel. And from about 30, 35 K an hour, it, takes about 20 seconds to roll down so that's to where I have to clip out and and uh, and touch down so it's it's awesome but this year they have an even better setup now uh, they have what's called their smart load drum which replaces on existing true trainers re- replaces the third drum the rearmost drum and it is really a smart trainer built into a roller drum so it does everything that a locked-in stationary kind of direct drive trainer does, but only you're on a set of rollers. So I can be riding any exert workout on my Garmin app, uh, can be controlling it, and also I can be riding you know, Swift or anything, doing a Swift race if I want to on that. And you have all the benefits of kind of that more kind of realistic road feel from the bike actually moving around you can actually stand up and throw the bike side to side you actually have to practice steering you have to practice smooth pedal stroke so it really is for me it is the ideal setup i absolutely love it it is again called true trainer t-r-u-t-r-a-n-e-r and um they literally it is a smart trainer on rollers and so you get really for me the best of both worlds and the smart load rear drum again if you are an existing true trainer user you can just buy that original like that as an aftermarket add-on or you can have it as an option on on the uh, rollers itself so i really highly recommend them i've been able to do very hard workouts and without falling off I'm not at the kind of the uh, stupid roller tricks level yet, but I can <laughs> I can stand up uh, and uh, 
still be riding along at 200 watts or whatever and throwing the bike side to side for to relieve my back and stuff and I can ride one-handed again I'm not quite at the no-handed you know jumping the air <laughs> playing the thing. violin yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no, not not like Ruby Isaac that that little wonderkin girl she's amazing yeah, so um, definitely there's plenty of options out there for, for getting your workouts done. Um, but one of the things that, that I was hoping that we could have a little discussion about as well was uh, kind of handling some of those high-intensity workloads. We mentioned maybe switching off erg mode, or um, but uh, what are some of the things that maybe users might need to be thinking about when they're choosing one of those workouts that has um, maybe close to a peak power sprint or uh, kind of a Tabata's or Ronestead style uh, effort? Well, I think if, if, if you're familiar with other kind of training environments and you come to exert, that's one of the things you'll likely notice is that we have um, a lot of our workouts will have intervals that are quite high. So, you know, you're, if, you're thresh, if your peak power is, you know, whatever, 1200 watts, it's not uncommon to see 800 watt interval and you're not typically going to see these in other environments and mostly because you know when you're looking at things from percentage of FTP it's really hard to know how much percentage of FTP at the higher end people can actually handle the percentage of FTP kind of starts to break down the higher above FTP you go um, and so you can't so really like your 400% FTP might be very different than mine, for example. Well, we know we're near my peak power. So my mm -hmm. peak power might be three times my, or, you know, four times my, uh, my FTP. And for you, it may only be, you know, three times FTP or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So, so, so you can't really, if you say an interval doing at four times 400 FTP, some people can't even achieve that number. It's way too much. Uh, and so you can't really prescribe workouts using percentage of FTP generically that is mm -hmm. um, and so so you end up with a lot of workouts that are somewhere near FTP you may get a few you know 200% potentially but not very many it tends to, they tend to be avoided but in our environment you'll get a lot more um, and so what this means is that you have to be able to do them and doing them on trainers requires a couple of things. You can either switch over to these other modes and use the gears and your cadence to kind of achieve those targets. Um, but if you know your trainer and you know how it engages in its, and how it changes in its erg mode, and every trainer is a little bit different in terms of how you need to time it and how quickly it comes on, um, you can actually do them in erg mode. So, in fact, doing the merge mode is actually kind of fun. <laughs> At least I find. I like, you know, you're, you go into an 800 watt interval and you just nail it. And you got, you know, you're in erg mode and you just do it perfectly. There's a really good feeling associated with that. And the way to do that is to really understand and, and, and or, you know, know your trainer and bring your cadence and your body ready to absorb that resistance that's going to be brought to you right when the interval starts. If you know when that's coming and you're ready for it and your cadence is ready, um, then you're going to be able to achieve that. So even if it's like 10 seconds at, let's say, 800 watts, you think, wow, that's crazy. If, if, it just, if it's just presented to you and you're not ready for it, you're going to fail. You're no, there's no way you're going to be able to turn the pedals. Anymore. 800 watts at 75 RPM isn't going to happen. It isn't going to happen. So you, so you basically got to brace yourself for it. You got to speed up your cadence. 
In fact, on our on our players, um, on the Android and on the Garmin, not on the iOS, unfortunately, but on those two, you'll actually see the target cadence on the remote player change. So the remote player will show you where your cadence needs to be for those intervals. I think 10 seconds before that interval hits. So pay attention to that with those players. That might help you speed up your cadence sufficiently so that you can then handle that, um, that interval. But that's really the way to deal with them. Uh, and obviously the, the, um, uh, the greater the intensity, the faster you want to be have your feet moving. So you can either do it, um, you know, well before the interval starts. So you start to speed up, right? Let's say 10, 20 seconds before that interval. Or as soon as the, you hear the interval started, you can time it. You know, you time, you start to speed up your legs before the resistance has come on in anticipation for that uh, the resistance to kick in. And then when you time it just right, you're, you're, you're right there and you can hit that high intensity wattage and you can power yourself through it. And then, you know, they're typically pretty short. You build up that fatigue and then you can continue on with your next interval. So, so you can do these higher powered intervals. Um, you know, one thing caveat, of course, one thing to be careful of is your trainer. All our trainers really aren't meant to be, you know, they don't have the stability for a lot of really high power efforts. So be careful on your trainer. Some trainers are good. They're stable at higher power. Some, some aren't. Um, generally speaking, you should be fine within the five or 600 watt range for most trainers. As, as you move up, then obviously you want to pay a lot more attention to that. But yeah. that's really how to tackle them. You either go, go into slope and erg mode, which is really the default, probably the recommended way. Um, sorry, slope or resistance mode. Um, but if you, you know, you want to try and do them in erg mode, the key to doing them in erg mode is really to be prepared with that higher cadence and, and really to time it just right. And then, but on the other hand, that's also the challenge with a clamped trainer, right? You, if you're trying to torque this massive, massive amount of wattage and again, out on the real road, we throw our bikes side to side. It's, you can't really do that with the rear axle clamped onto a 50 pound trainer. So, you know, you're putting a lot of torque into your rear dropouts and also into your frame that way. So again, those, those aren't the best. So in those cases, yeah, the only way around it is to really make sure you get on top of your gear, accelerate in a, and get that cadence up high. But there is also a time and place for letting the resistance come to you. And I'm speaking as a cross racer where the demands on your muscles and your your legs is quite different from say a criterium racer where you're generating high watts but at also a high cadence in a cross race you are also generating really high wattages but from a relatively low cadence because you've just turned a hairpin turn and now you have to put about five seconds of super hard effort in but from almost a standstill and in a relatively big gear so you know some racers again cross racers in specific you may want to have specific workouts where you work on generating that high power but also from a relatively low cadence and in a big gear too so it really comes analyzing what kind of efforts are really relevant to you and adapting it it um kind of the workout and the way you do them to your actual race or event demands yeah that's a really good point thanks Stephen. um 
So I wanted to spend the next little bit uh, talking essentially about what, what makes workouts difficult. And um, we, we also have a blog post on this. So if you, if you go to our support page, you'll find a whole article dedicated to this. But um, essentially, we can break down the difficulty of a workout into its mental aspect and into its physical aspect. And um, I guess I'll just start off with talking somewhat about the, the physical difficulty of a workout and um, really... Exert's done a really nice job of uh, actually categorizing the difficulty of workouts. So we have something called the difficulty rating. Uh, and uh, essentially, in, in short, how it's calculated is it's looking at the, the kind of a weighted moving uh, XSSR, the, the, the strain rate. Uh, and so uh, in general, the higher the average strain rate is, the more difficult the workout is going to be to complete. And so... Um, Something when you're when you're moving to exert and and uh, let's say you have a two-star training load, what you'll notice from the uh, adaptive training advisor, which we talked about in a in a previous podcast, is that uh, the system automatically kind of recommends workouts that are at a sufficient difficulty level for you. And so something that you'll see, uh, let's if you're a one-star training load athlete. Uh, you're not going to be recommended those five-star difficult, deep efforts. Um, and so that's something, uh, when you have an accurate uh, fitness signature and exert, um, all of these workouts that have been designed and are in the workout library have been designed in such a way uh, that they'll be at the sufficient difficulty level for you, which I think is uh, something that's uh, definitely a large advantage over um, perhaps workouts that might be defined uh, on more traditional kind of percentage of FTP where, uh, as we were talking about before, the harder the intensity becomes, the more difficult it becomes to, to prescribe an accurately or a, um, appropriately difficult workout for somebody. Yeah. You know, and I think that's uh, important when you're starting to look at the workouts, because we do have a lot of our, our, our athletes that are, they'll comment to say, wow, that workout, I, I couldn't finish it. Well, you know what happened. And in many cases, it's because you know they're 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 just getting into like they're just let's say moving indoors. They've been doing all this training outdoors and moving indoors. They're not really ready yet to do indoors, uh, you know. And then you know they pick a four star workout and they go, okay, I want to do the I want to do the Ronstadt. And I go, well, yeah, <laughs> you might want to hold off on that one for a little <laughs> bit before you're ready. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I'll be frank, you know, there's, there's not that many, I, the five-star workouts are there, but they're really, really hard to do. You haven't done them very often. Um, so I tend to stay myself into the three, three and a half star range is kind of, if even that, even when I'm in the middle of my training program, because they're really, really hard. Um, and so, um, so keep that in mind mm. that, that you know, just because the MPA curves and it's been recommended, and you can see it, and you can think, "Hey, I can do this." You know, my MPA has there's no breakthrough here. It's certainly be it's certainly doable. Um, if the difficulty is high, then you're going to potentially run into challenges, kind of trying to complete that workout, and that's no fun. You don't want to start a workout that you can't complete. So you always look for a workout that's going to kind of try and closer match your current your current training level and you know mm -hmm. the difficulty of that workout mm -hmm. yeah yeah when we say you can't complete it's not necessarily physically you can't complete there's mentally also 
so challenging or above and beyond what you are either capable of doing or really are motivated to do also so yeah you can go and do five-star workout every day of the week theoretically and none of most of the workouts on exert are not there to to uh get you to a breakthrough but again mentally that is just the path to overtraining doing that amount of difficulty over and over so you know again most of the time you don't need to be doing five-star workouts you want to dose it every once in a while both for variety and mental challenge and for possibly to get a breakthrough but yeah most of the time especially in the off season you're doing two to three star workouts and really building your fitness at a very progressive and manageable level that way yeah i think that's a a a very good point that you brought up there it's just the mental aspect of of these workouts too and there's a lot of things that go into that so it could be uh, you didn't get a good night of sleep or you had a rough day at work Uh, for some reason the stress in your life outside of cycling um I mean, cycling itself is actually a stress too. So there's that. Uh, there's also motivation. So, um, I mean, I can think back uh, prior to using Exert when I was first getting into training with power and I started by taking those 20-minute those tests. Um, you, you'll notice, uh, and I'm sure people that have done enough FTP tests know that, um, or they've done tests back-to-back days where they get completely different scores on a different day. So... Uh, there definitely is that mental aspect to to performing uh, workouts as well. And the, you know, and the longer, the more monotonous the workouts, then they tend to require more mental effort. So you know, if you're in the long workouts, sometimes it can be mentally fatiguing to kind of get through the workout. It takes a lot of concentration. Um, and some of them, especially as they get, you know, if you, you you'll notice in, in a lot of our longer workouts that you'll get these short little kind of breaks like they're like typically two to three minutes long maybe four uh, and, and there's like a couple of them if you're, if you're doing a two-hour workout you'll see these short little breaks and those are added there not because you need mpa to rise or anything like that they're mental breaks because if you're trying to if you're on for two hours um and you don't get that little bit of a mental break it, they're really hard to to complete um, you know, it's outside of this kind of difficulty thing. It's more just a mental thing that you're just you're pedaling for for that long without giving yourself a little bit of a break. So, so those are there to really give you that reprieve, kind of. Uh, and then once they're done, you're back on again, and you can get through a fairly long workout. Um, and so, hopefully, you'll you'll find that's that's the case for you as you do them. That uh, those short little breaks, I tend to. When I do the two-hour workouts, I'm like, okay, if I can get to that point, you know, then it's clear, you know, it's it's, it's clear sailing from here on in. So, um, and those kind of are motivating in and of themselves as you do these longer workouts. Yeah, yeah it also mm-hmm. depends on the individual, right? Like I'm, I'm a guy who can't stand even a, uh, you know, an eight-minute steady hard effort. I I'm just not wired for that. Uh, mentally, I much prefer the constant on-off over and over and over again, uh, recover on-off. If I had an ideal kind of um, race event, it'd probably be a team time trial, team pursuit type where you're on and off and recover. Whereas if you're you know, a triathlete, most of them, I would say most triathletes just love going at that hard kind of threshold effort. And they're that's also replicating what you do in a race. Right? So 
So um, yeah, it's it also depends on what you enjoy. Again, I personally, when I do workouts, I look for even if my you know average power is is 180 watts where I usually try to look for one that has the most variety because I just can't handle even if you tell me to ride at at 200 watts for five minutes I just start kind of going all over the place after that by then I, mm -hmm. I'd much rather prefer doing that in a kind of stochastic stochastic uh, on off type of effort with a lot of variety and changes mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm kind of the opposite of you. I, I'm I'm the endurance guy, so I don't, I don't mind those long, just blocked intervals. I don't mind those at all. Uh, it ultimately comes down to what you're training for. Um, I'm interested in doing some longer gravel events, so uh, obviously I'm gonna need to be comfortable with those long, steady, uh, steady state efforts. Yeah, that that's interesting. That you know the 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 way you train is more aligned with the kinds of you know things you're going to be planning and, and, and look forward to doing in your racing or whatever you're aiming to do. Um, but you know there there is kind of a point to training. So it's one thing that we we you know we don't we, we we probably should talk a little bit about because the you know in the past your your off season was normally taken up by some kind of structured training plan where you mm -hmm. got on a trainer and you followed a plan. But now that people are have all these other kind of virtual riding environments, that kind of structure is starting to disappear or starting you've seen less and less of that. Mm -hmm. You know, people are they just hop on a trainer and they just ride indoors during the winter the same way they've been riding outdoors in the summer. It hasn't really doesn't change. And so where do these workouts really come into play? Like, do they need to come into play? Are you, can you just continue to just ride out indoors the same way you've, you rode outdoors? And you, there's, you, know, you can make an argument to say, hey, that's, that's the way I ride. And if I keep, continue to ride the way I race, then that should be fine. And in some ways that is true. But there are limits to that. Yeah, there, absolutely. There, you know, there is a point to training, and there is a point to having some structure. And there's in and that doesn't mean that everything needs to be structured, right? You don't have mm -hmm. to follow a specific training plan and follow it day to day to be successful. That's not that's not necessarily the case. But you do need to be thinking about and being aware of what's happening, right? because if all you do is super high intensity kind of race type uh, training. Uh, and you do it all year round, then you really don't give yourself a time to build up your base. So what happens is you, there's aspect of your training that gets really highly functional and highly, uh, uh, very strong in terms of your ability to perform. But you know, there's certain aspects of your training that don't get built up. It takes longer uh, and you end up being tired a lot. And if you end up being tired a lot, then what gets sacrificed is volume. So if you're tired all the time, you don't get the volume, you don't get the volume, you don't really build up your base. And it prevents you from even handling more volume because you're having to rest more often. So, so you can incorporate kind of this year-round race kind of uh, you know, free-form training, but you, need, you should be cognizant of what's happening and how to incorporate some structure. Like, should you be doing some workouts? And the answer is yes. You know, there are times where thinking about i need to i need to build up this part of my fitness right mm -hmm. i need to build up some base so so let me let me do some workouts so that i i can ensure that i'm getting the, the proper dose of training that i need 
and I need to add those into my training on an ongoing basis. So that's the really the way I would tackle some, some incorporating your training in these workouts together with the lack of structure that you're getting all year round now. And, and I think kind of to build onto that point, I think exerts, uh, in my opinion, probably one of the best platforms out there to do that uh, for the sole fact that we have the adaptive training advisor where it'll see, okay, you've been doing these like Zwift races or these like hard group rides. You've been doing them once or twice a week now, and it's going to adjust that rush to the week. Like it, it knows, okay, you're tired from doing those hard efforts. We need you to focus on your endurance. And so it does help keep you... Uh, I guess disciplined and and keeps you well rounded as an athlete uh, to ensure that you're not compromising one aspect of your training just by uh, by doing those constant race efforts. Um, there's uh, one other thing that I wanted to cover uh, in this episode, so uh, we're running a little bit long here, mm-hmm. but uh, th- there is something that I wanted to mention, and that's mm-hmm. our shared workout community. Mm-hmm. Um, so in addition to all of the workouts that have been designed uh, by the Exert staff. Uh, we've also got uh, a kind of community-based workout. Uh, you can find that by going to uh, my communities, my coach, uh, and you can actually search for shared workout community. Um, and you'll find in there a, a whole variety of workouts that have been submitted by our users. Um, some of them, uh, we actually ha- had a recent challenge. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we provided a challenge for the community, and the goal was to uh, generate the most low XSS in a one hour workout without um, going past two and a half star difficulty without surpassing two and a half stars um, and which with which a 10 difficult. minute warm up and a five minute cool down that's right so yeah. those are the constraints so there's it was, it was pretty it was an interesting exercise because we got people familiar with yeah. kind of how the how exercise gets built and in, and in how workout. to use the workout design and how to work and, right right yeah. We had two workouts that looked uh, very similar to well, one more another. More than two. There's quite. There's quite a few. So. I think. I think Carlos. Carlos is lava. He, he was one of the first to submit. I think uh, these kind of pattern that ended up being the winning pattern. And um, but I think Peter. We had Peter Ballant and Mike Lauder both submitted um, these workouts that were pretty much at the upper end. You know, oh, getting no, over ninety. Over ninety XSS in one hour without having difficulty go above uh, two and a half which was pretty that's pretty amazing that's pretty that's pretty amazing yeah that's that's awesome so congratulations to both of those for winning that competition if you're uh you know interested in in finding those workouts you can find them in that shared workout library so again like like scott was saying just go and search and you can join and um what if they want to share a community a community workout there yeah, so you, it's described in when you join it, it'll tell you how to add uh, your your own uh, workouts. But you can you just all you got to do is put the word "share me" in your uh, in your workout description, and when you save it, then it'll get populated into the shared workout community. So, and what's great if you're not familiar with the coach communities, that if you join a coach coach community, then all of the coaches' workouts then become available to you on the coach tab under workout the library. And they also get part of the adaptive training advisor. So the adaptive training advisor will then incorporate and score those and rank those automatically uh, as part of your uh, the recommendation process. So uh, it's kind of nice. You can just join in and then uh, you know choose those workouts. Get, get or, some community source workouts into your training. Yeah. Uh, and if you've got a, a nice workout that you enjoy doing, especially if you're using some of those 
uh, exert uh, XSSR intervals or um, MPA designed uh, intervals. We would love to see those. So be sure to, to share those with us. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, but that's, uh, I think that's everything that I wanted to talk about today. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to add? I think I'm good. All right. Oh, that was well, great. This is an awesome, uh, I think we got a lot of, uh, content covered here. So, uh, I just wanted to say thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, we really enjoy, uh, putting these together for you and, and we're, we're glad to see that, uh, that you guys are liking them. Great. Yeah. Thanks everyone. All right. Ciao and train smart. All right. We'll see you next time. Yep. Bye for now.